Welcome to the College Prep Genius Radio Show, where we can answer all your questions about getting college for free. Today, your host is Jean Burke, the author of College Prep Genius, The No-Brainer Way to SAT Success, and you can find her at collegeprepgenius.com. And I'm the moderator, Felice Gerwitz. Welcome. everyone and welcome. My name is Felice Gerwitz and with me on the line is Jean Burke and this is an episode of College Prep Genius Podcast. This is episode 28. You can find the show notes at collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast. And today uh, Jean is on the line to talk about uh, freaking out about the new test. I um, let Jean know that I've, uh, I'm on the uh, baseball and softball field these days and talking to a lot of moms whose kids are taking the test, and uh, there's a lot of concern out there, Jean. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. So what's going on out there? Everybody's just worried about uh, what's happening. They are, and, you know, we're procrastinators just by the fact that we're humans. And so, you know, even though, <laughs> even though we've been talking about the changes of the SAT for several months and, you know, how to, you know, ace the new test, it seems that people still want to wait to the last minute. We've got the, the test coming up for the first time this coming Saturday, March 5th, and people are calling us now saying, okay, we need to do something about the new test. And, yeah, it's, it, it is a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety. I do wish people would start early. I, you know, I, that's kind of what I preach all along to give yourself right. some time, but they are calling us in record numbers. Um, I've got schools that we've never dealt with calling us. We've got families. I've been on NBC, ABC, uh, Fox this, just this week, um, people looking for answers, and they're, you know, the media is calling me and saying, hey, can you come on and, and talk about the test? So um, definitely something I want to just uh, help parents understand that, yes, it, it is new. It might be a bit scary, but um, don't worry. Um you know, if your child goes and takes the test um, uh, this coming Saturday on March and they were not prepared, you know, certainly we still got at least two more this year. And, of course, again, next year starts over seven times a year. Right, right. There's plenty of time to take it. And, you know, it does. there is a fee involved, but it really um, is worth uh, taking that test and planning to take it more than once. So, um, you know, as you said, March 5th is the first test. And do you think the kids taking it are, are considered the guinea pigs on this? I mean, what, what are they going to – are they going to be looking at these scores just as they would the previous scores? Well, they are. And I don't think um, – even though there's a lot of hype out there, a lot of a lot of articles, you know, discouraging families from taking the SAT, the first two or three go-arounds and say, let, you know, let it go by, I completely disagree with that. Um, because, you know, when, the fact that we've got the super score and score choice, you don't have to go in there and worry about the score. You know, you can always, you know, take the highest scores and the colleges will use them. So it, it's not so much that they're a guinea pig. Anytime there's a change, there's always going to be, you know, probably some revisions and some editing. But I think parents need to look at it in a completely different uh, fashion. Number one, use it as a, a baseline score. Uh, the new round, unless you took the PSAT last fall, last October, which was a brand new PSAT, um, based on the bell curve is where they grade to the median score, it's actually better for kids to take this coming March test because that means if, if they prepare at least a little bit, you know, they're going to be ahead of the game from a lot of students, which is going to mean that, that you know, 
they have a better chance of doing well because of the curve. So I encourage uh, kids to take that March 5th test. But it doesn't matter. Right. I mean, again, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no. I, I think I think you play the game and think how smart it is. Most students aren't prepared. So if you've got some right. preparation under your belt, it's actually going to work in your favor. Let me ask you, too, um, about this. You mentioned the super score and, and score choice. So if you have not been listening to all of the previous podcasts that Jean has done, um, please do go and, and listen to those because you would know what that is. Um, but just in case this is the first podcast they're hopping on and listening to Jean, um, share with them what that means. What is a super score and score choice? Well, these are great to know, and I think, unfortunately, a lot of people are unaware of this. The super score is where most colleges will take the highest scores from different tests. So if your student were to take, let's say, the March test and did really well on the math but kind of bombed the reading, but then they took the May or June test and did better on the reading section, then the colleges will take the highest scores from different tests uh, to basically give you a composite or a super score. And what that does not only um, gives you more money, um, but it certainly gives the colleges a better ranking. So that's why it's important to keep taking and starting early and taking as many times as you can. Now, score choice is what the college board uh, program where you don't have to send the scores in until you want to send them in. So you can get you get to actually pick the score and send it in whenever you want. So that's what's great. That's why there's no pressure. You know, I think a lot mm-hmm. of times right. the problem comes is that students put all their eggs into one basket and they wait for maybe one test in, in spring of their junior year or maybe one or two in their senior year and they've waited and now there's so much pressure on them when in reality they could have been taking it many, many times and realizing that they're just going to take the high scores anyways. Mm-hmm. Very good. And so, you know, what is the biggest challenge now um, as the kids are approaching uh this this test and uh, you know again if it's um, you know we're playing this uh, audio and it's the very next day uh, because this is going out in March um, you know they they uh, may be you know almost too late but what are some of the things that um, would be a challenge I think if you don't understand the new formatting of the test if you were taking the old SAT there were 10 short sections so 20 to 25 minutes, then you've got a break and can, can relax a little bit. Well, the formatting on the new SAT has gone to very similar to the ACT where you have four long sections. So there, you're sitting for over an hour at one time without any breaks. So it's, it's a very different kind of a marathon uh, where you have to learn that, basically that mental stamina. So if you understand that and you know that, you know, then – at least you won't be freaking out at the test. Just know that you're not mm-hmm. going to get a break anytime soon. So, uh, again, it, it goes back to practicing at home the same way you would practice at the real test, being able to understand, you know, not have any surprises when you go in there. And if you know that, then you know you're going to be sitting down for a long time and you can teach yourself to, you know, pace yourself and know exactly, you know, what's, what's coming up. Um, I think also, too, um, the fact that the score is going back to 1600 is it's very different formatting. This is this, we haven't seen this since 2005, and this means that you're only going to be counted on two sections as opposed to three. So in in the past, 
you know, you had the, the writing section that was um, a completely separate section, but now mm-hmm. you're going to see the math, and math is one section, and then the reading and writing combined. That's going to be all in one score. Okay. So that's going to be, you know, a challenge too. And so, you know, if this, if they are, you know, going to be taking it with right away or within the next, you know, few months, um, what is the best way that they can prepare um, for this test if they haven't done a whole lot of preparation? One of the biggest um, confidence builders for students that I have seen over the years is that if I can just encourage them to treat this test opposite of a school test and approach it in a different manner, more in a training manner as opposed to memorizing a bunch of content. I mean, this, these tests really are logic, and they are written in a way to uh, trick the students. They're written in a way to t- basically test their critical thinking skills. So when you're looking at a question, instead of, you know, automatically thinking of the the math formula that you need to use or that I have to read every word and analyze and interpret this passage, I can really look at it as more of a logical fashion, more of a logical fashion and realize that mm-hmm. there's a fast way to answer every question. So, again, you know, if you go in this March and, and you don't do well, just, just relax. You can take it again. I think commit to learning how to take this test. Because this is how you can really get that scholarship money. And, you know, again, the colleges are going to take the highest score. We said it already. But that's why if students understand that, you know, don't worry. It's not that big a deal. It's not the end of the world. Just relax. Right. And, you know, I was talking to you before we went live and something that you told me that was a real eye-opener that we just don't think about um, because we're not, you know, (laughs) haven't been doing this as long as you have, Jean. And that is, um, you know, I was talking to you about um, a child that needs another 100 points to get to the, the scholarship level, and that just, and, and she already improved by 200 points, and, um, and you said to me, well, that's only, you know, five more questions right, you know, or 10 more questions, or I don't remember what you said. So, so explain that, you know, like a child who, you know, maybe wants to increase their score by another 100 points. Well, when they score the the test, they give two scores. They give what's called a raw score, and that's where you get one point for every correct answer. And then what they do with that with that raw score is they convert it to the scaled score, which is anywhere from 200 to 800. So because they base it on the bell curve, that means that every time you get one point right, that one point can equate anywhere from 10 to 40 points. So that means if you're maybe 100 points away from the next scholarship level, level depending on where you're at on the bell curve, I mean, that could anywhere be anywhere from, you know, four, five, six more questions at the most. So it's not like 100 questions to get 100 points. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, also with the super score, I know um, just for my own kids, they were doing a lot of math, and then they did some dual enrollment, um, which didn't require, you know, or didn't they didn't take any math classes yet. And so their first scores in their math section have been way higher than their subsequent because math is one of those things that you do over and over again. And one of the things that you do teach, Jean, is vocabulary, you know, in math vocabulary and how important that is. So I was reminding my kids of that um, this last time. And so that's one of the things that they are, my, my son anyway, because my daughter is a senior this year, 
um, and I want her to take it one more time, but um, that is one of the things that my son's really going to be drilling this summer. And um, I know I'm getting the uh, digital uh, format that you have now because he's on a travel baseball team. And that's something that the kids can do, um, you know, from their phones or on a computer. So just uh, talk a little bit about that format because that wasn't out when I first um, met you a couple of years ago and, and got your program. We have decided to do everything online, digital, because one of the things is that the, the laptops that they're making now don't even have the DVD drives anymore. Right. And so that's, that's a hindrance for a lot of students mm-hmm. or for families. And this way you can access it online at your own time, you know, no matter where you're at, like you say, or whatever computer you're on. So I think it's more convenient. Uh, you can download the workbook. You can um, get the textbook as an e-reader. Uh, it's just going to make it so much easier. So you don't have to carry along a lot of products with you or a lot of materials when you are traveling. It's just go online and it's right there. So, you know, we live in that digital age now. It's something that mm-hmm. I kind of resisted for a while. I didn't really want to do it. Um, and I think there's still going to be a lot of us that are old school. You know, we want a hard right. copy in our hands. Uh, right. But I think it's something that everybody's moving to. And I think you just kind of have to go with the times, unfortunately. And, you know, I think, you know, there's, I think there are things that I resisted in the past that, that I'm glad I, I'm doing now, but at the time I just really didn't want to do it. But it, it is. It's going to be, be more convenient, and I think that you can pause it. You can still do the same thing you would a DVD. You can go back over it. You can hear it again. You know, you can go back and check your questions and why the right one was right, why the wrong one was, was wrong. So it, it, it's not really that much different, except that you don't have to plug in, you know, hop in a DVD anywhere. So right. same, yeah. same good information. On the new test. Right. Very good. And I just know that, you know, it. parents want everything, you know, instantly because by the time they're ordering your program, you know, it's time to take the test no matter how much we know ahead of time. Like you said, by our very nature, you know, we, we procrastinate. So what we're going to take a really short commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to discuss is the SAT more relevant than the SAT. We'll be right back. With College Prep Genius, free college can happen to you. That's right. It's never too early to start thinking about test prep to secure your future. Imagine getting free tuition, room and board, free grad school, and more based on your SAT score. College Prep Genius is the key to free. This award-winning, nationally featured program teaches students the logic behind the SAT. You'll learn to answer every question in 30 seconds, raise your score as much as 600 points, and go to the college of your dreams for free. Visit College Prep Genius to know more. Hi and welcome back. My name is Felice Gerwitz and with me on the line is Jean Burke and today we are talking about the new test and how you shouldn't freak out about it. And before we went to commercial break, um, we were discussing is the SAT, is the ACT more relevant than the SAT? And again, this is podcast number 28 at collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast. So, Jean, I know you get tired of this question, and I get in, I stopped arguing with people because I've had people, as I've told you in the past, who say, well, your kids shouldn't take the SAT. We're only taking the ACT or 
Um, one of my friends uh, recently said that their um, their tutor, I guess they have someone tutoring their, their child on taking the test, said that um, the way their daughter thinks, she's more apt to do better on the um, ACT. And I just said, oh, that's nice, you know, without getting into, you know, <laughs> well, you know, whatever. So is that true? I mean, are more kids more prone to do better on one than the other or, you know? You know, in the, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I think in the past that was, there was what's called a one-third rule. Um, that was where one-third one kids did a little bit on the ACT, one-third did a little bit on the SAT, and about one-third was about, they did about the same. And I really think because both tests, even though they're made by completely different companies, they're about 95% the same test. I mean, they're both standardized tests. They both have recurring patterns. They both are objective, so there's only one right answer. But now that the uh, SAT is changing to look very similar to the ACT, and by the way, a lot of the ACT writers are now writing for the SAT, um, I think now it's very pretty much going to be even because when before prior to the changes of March 5th, uh, like I said earlier, there were kids who did a lot better by sitting down in short bursts of 20, 25 minutes. And then there were some kids who could sit for like an hour long. And I think that may may have been the difference between, you know, the, the 130 did a little better on one or the other because of the formatting. But now they're really basically going to be uh, so similar that you're not going to really tell the difference. And what you're going to see differently um, on the ACT is a science section. And, you know, again, what's really great about understanding that these are logic tests, you do not have to be a science brainiac, you know, or be in pre-med um, to do well, the science section on the ACT is just like the reading section uh, on the SAT. In other words, you know, whatever they're talking about, whether whatever biochemistry or physics or whatever, all the answers are found inside the passage. So it's not like you can study a bunch of science before you approach the test. It doesn't matter whether you've ever seen science in your life, as long as you understand um, that the information is already right in front of you. So, again, it, it really does not matter. I, I'm with Lucky Police. I have, I have this obstacle everywhere we go. Uh, not everywhere, but I would say some of the mid-states, like when we go to, like, um, uh, you know, Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, uh, even Tennessee, some of those states more in the middle of, of, the, um, of our nation, um, mm -hmm. they'll say to me, well, you know, we only do the ACT here. Our schools only take right. the ACT. And it may be true that their high schools may only promote it or they may only administer it. But what these families don't know is that every college takes either one, so it doesn't matter. And there are some colleges that tend to give a different financial packet based on the SAT or the ACT. So I'm a big believer in trying both tests. You know, you can get a free one from both of their websites. Try them both. Find out the college that you're going to, which one they're going to prefer more prefer over the other one. And, and if they they will accept either one or they'll convert the score. So it really doesn't right. matter which one your child takes. So I think um, it's important that you realize that um, just because a high school might promote one test, like the ACT or the SAT, it doesn't mean that, that that reflects what the college thinks. Right. And then when we went to um, it, our it's a state college here that does allows for dual enrollment, and we walked in, um, the kids were supposed to be taking what they call their, their PERT test, 
uh, for college entrance. And when we walked in, um, you can see I, I didn't do my research. Uh, the lady said to us, uh, well, did they take the SAT? And I said, yes. And she goes, oh. She goes, well, there's a computer. Just have them log into their account, and, um, and we'll just print out their scores. And so they did, and um, so they didn't have to take the test because <laughs> they <laughs> took the SATs instead of the college entrance. You know, their SAT scores were good enough. So, so that was, you know, that was great. And, you know, we, we printed it out and uh, walked out and went and had lunch to celebrate. So, <laughs> nice. but, you know, you know, so, so people do be a little bit better than me and, and do your research. So, um, okay. So, you know, what, what are the subtle changes that happened uh, to the ACT that people may not be aware of? Well, you know, there's, there's been a huge hype about the SAT the last couple of years, you know, it's, They've been building up about the new redesigned test and big fanfare and the whole thing, and they're rolling it out on March 5th. Well, behind the scenes, nobody actually knew what was going on with the ACT. There were these subtle changes um, that were taking place, but they, they didn't make a big deal of it. And so what happened on the ACT, it, it, it's really not that big of a deal. Um, basically, what I find that they're doing is to keep up with the new re redesigned SAT, they added what's called a subscore. And a subscore is basically there to pinpoint weaknesses. So another way, here's a better way of looking at it. Let's say um, you miss a line citation question, a question about a particular line in a passage. Um, it would, it's going to show you how many of those you missed, which makes you more aware of the type of question that you're, that you're missing. Same thing on the SAT. So I think those are good. Um, I think they're a great way to see, you know, you know, I kind of do the same thing in my program. I, I tell the kids to write down uh, what I call the ABC of errors. You know, there's only three types of errors that students are going to make on a, on a question. A is what I call asinine, or in other words, a dumb, a dumb mistake. You know, they missed a keyword or they didn't add correctly. Um, B is what I call blank, where they probably knew how to answer the question at one time, but they hadn't been practicing and they completely forgot about it. And then see uh, questions that they're clueless about where they really had no idea how to ever answer that question, so they need to really commit to working on that. So um, I think it's important that certain questions that we miss are pinpointed and that way we, we kind of know, you know, what we need to work on. And then the other thing, uh, what they did on the ACT was their essay went from a 30-minute essay to a 40-minute essay, and students will now have to analyze and write an essay uh, to evaluate multiple perspectives on a certain issue. So it was those couple things um, that were behind the scenes, and I think, again, something that isn't necessarily that big of a deal, but people do need to be aware of it. So when they go in there and they see completely different formatting on the essay, that they at least can be prepared. Very good, very good, and that's you know always um, one of the reasons I love talking to you because I have no idea. So um, you know why should uh, the kids still write that optional essay? I know um, you know when they my kids first heard about it, they were like, oh yay, we don't have to do it, <laughs> and um, and then they actually um, thought about it and then said, you know, I, I think we are going to because they saw their scores improve. So it's always um, that makes you happy, you know. Right. Oh, you know, everywhere I go, when I tell the kids, hey, the essay is optional, you know, I get this, yay, you know, fanfare, everybody's excited. 
And then I then I bring them back down to earth and say, but wait, <laughs> you should always write the essay. And and by the way, the ACT, the essay has always been optional. So I think that was another formatting that the SAT SAT writers took from the ACT. Um, mm-hmm. But here's why kids should always write the essay, even though it's optional. Number one. It, it does give your application a more complete profile. So it really does show, you know, that you didn't leave anything out. You were willing to go that second mile. Um, number two, you know, if an admissions counselor is on the fence about that student's application, then what they often will do is write, use the essay as a determining factor. And I think a lot of students don't realize that, that there are colleges that will actually exempt you from writing classes in college um, because you did write the essay and got a really good score. So the essay is one of the things where when you do sign up for, for it, there's a place to opt in. And, you know, when you can opt in or, or, or not not do the essay. But if you do change your mind when you do get to the essay, get to the test that morning, when you check in, you can say, you know, I did not choose to write the essay, but I've changed my mind. As long as they have room and they have enough materials, you can still write the essay, uh, go ahead and sign up for the essay that day. Right, very good. Okay, and is guessing a good idea? You know, because that's the thing, there are no penalties anymore if you guess the question incorrectly, and um, I actually like that feature better. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, now, um, you know, that they're uh, well anyway. What you answer that is guessing a good well, idea now. You know, I, I may be the only person you might hear ever say that you should still not guess, and that freaks people out when I say that. And I say, look, here's the deal. Yes, there are no more penalties on guessing. I mean, it's before you got a core report taken off for every wrong answer, so you didn't want to guess because then if you guess mm-hmm. wrong, you know, then it right. kind of gets you. Um, even though there's not a guessing penalty, here's the strategy that I teach my students. I say, listen, let's say you come across a question and you don't know how to work it. Don't just go, oh, I don't know, but just, you know, and then bubble in an answer. Don't do that. What you want to do is maybe give it, you know, a few seconds to look over and think, okay, I don't know this, you know, and then put a star on it, and then go try to answer as many as you can in your time frame, um, and then come back to it, because so many times our subconscious is still working on the problem, even even if we've moved on. And so you come back and then you look at it and you go, oh, wow, I, I see it now or I get it. And then you get mm-hmm. it right, which, like we said earlier, can, can quit up to about 40 points. Um, the right. thing you don't want to do is you don't want to get in the habit of guessing because if you do, before you know it, you've guessed on so many that you, don't, you can't even remember how many you guessed on when it's a right. better idea just to come back to it. And if you don't get to come back to it, then, you know, it didn't hurt you anyways. Um but, you know, then I always get these students who say, but Mrs. Burke, I've done that. What if I've done that? And I've exhausted everything, and I, it's, it's a minute. It is a minute until the test is over, you know, because they're a good students, and they bought their watch, and they know that. Um, I said, look, okay, so then you can employ what I call the straight A rule. And that means just all the answers that you left, that you skipped, just put in A, every single one of them. Because then there's a chance you're probably going to get at least maybe a few of them right if they're all A. Don't just randomly guess on a bunch of different, you know, A, B, C, or D to keep them all mm-hmm. the same. Um, and then one of the things you don't want to do, if you have ordered the question and answer service, 
which is a, which is a twice a year you can uh, pay. I think it's twenty five dollars, and they will actually you know send you your scores, and then they'll send you a blank uh, clean book, booklet back in the mail. You don't want to guess on those because then you're going to have a difficult time of which problems that you worked and which ones you just guessed on. Because you don't get your actual test booklet back. You just get a clean one. Okay. So then it would be hard to know. Yes. Okay. I got that. Okay. Well, see, look at all these strategies you're giving us. This is exciting. <laughs> so I hope people are taking a lot of notes. So. Okay, and then also, um, how has the timing uh, changed? I think you talked a little bit about that earlier. Yes, like we said, we, we're the, going to four long yeah. sections. Yes. Well, okay. and, and you're okay. still going to get a yeah, you're still going to get that minute per question. Um, mm -hmm. Only you know the old SAT was roughly a minute um, per question. On the new SAT, the redesigned SAT, on some sections you get about forty seconds per question. Um, wow. Some parts you get about some you get about seventy seconds, so you're still talking an average of about a minute per question, and that is why it's so important to know that you know every question can be answered in thirty seconds or less, um, and you don't have that kind of time. You you really need to know the shortcuts because let's say you do come across the question that might take you a lot longer. You don't really know a fast way to work it. Um, if you've answered all the other questions, you know, in ten, twenty, thirty seconds. Now you've freed up so much extra time that you can spend more time on a question that you're unfamiliar with. Right. And that way, you know, and I, I like your your straight A rule. You know, I think that's a really good idea. And only use that as a last resort. Well, Jean, do you have mm -hmm. any last words as we um, we are out of time today, but um, as we sum up this uh, this podcast today? I do want to talk and encourage parents that, yes, the SAT is here to stay. You know, I know we're going to talk about that on another seminar about, you know, the, the rumor that SATs are going away, but that, that's not true. But I do want to encourage parents that these are learnable tests. And the beauty of homeschooling um, is that we do have that flexibility that we can incorporate test prep in, in our daily school. We can use it as an elective. Um, you know, to spend 10, 20, 30 minutes at the most. I mean, not necessarily a long time, um, but it's going to pay off in, in huge scholarship money. It's going to pay off in getting into the college, you know, of your of your choice. And it, it's, it's part of life. It's like math. It's like reading. It's like writing. You know, your kids are going to be tested, you know, forever, not just getting into college or in college, but at their job someday. And so test taking um, is a skill like golf or baseball or piano, and it it can be learned. And I think it's important because some kids, you know, are good test takers naturally, and then some are just as smart, but they're not that logically minded. And but it's something that anybody can learn. It's not a personality trait. So I just encourage parents that it's important. It could change your life uh, in so many ways for your kids to get unbelievable scholarships. And so and it's something that you know every family. Um, should make a priority. Oh, I so agree. Well, thank you so much, Jean, and I look forward to our next podcast, Podcast 29, on why standardized tests are here to stay. And again, the show notes are on collegepepgenius.com forward slash podcast, uh, podcast 28 for this one. Thanks, Jean, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks, Lee. Well, thanks so much for listening to the College Prep Genius Radio Show. 
You can find more episodes at collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast or listen on iTunes, on your favorite podcast app, on your phone, on your computer, or on the go. Remember, visit collegeprepgenius.com for more information and we'll see you soon.